Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right, here we are back again on the GRIP podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu and your host of the show. And for those of you who don't know what Sisu is, Sisu streamlines and automates your real estate business. So if you are a team owner, broker owner, probably something you want to check into. Today, I have uh, Daniel Dixon with me. And, you know, Daniel, I've known you kind of a little bit for a long time, but I really didn't get to know you until uh, until we had the opportunity to meet in Mexico recently at at, uh, Springs event. But, you know, Zach over here at CSU has talked about you for a long time saying, you know, what a stud you are. And Spring always talks about you every time she goes to an event over there where you guys are part of that same group. So, Anyway, um, I'm looking forward today to getting to know you even at a deeper level. So uh, thanks for joining me on the show. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So for those of you who don't know, Daniel runs a real estate team out of Colorado. And I look at you as being really unique because I think everyone is focused primarily on their teams. And my take, and I may be wrong, my take is that you are focused more on all of the ancillary businesses than you actually are in your real estate team. So every time somebody does a real estate transaction, I'm guessing you're getting at least four paychecks for that transaction. Yeah. And I want to dive into that today because I think that's a a huge differentiator. And those who haven't done that absolutely must do that here over the coming years, or they're going to be in trouble Yeah, with commissions being cut and, I mean, now the mortgage industry is being hit, but for people like you, it's not as hard because your business, I'm guessing, is mostly purchase, not refi. Is that right? Correct. Okay. So what made you, I'd love to learn up front. I don't know if there's anything else you want to share up front, but if there's anything you want to add to your intro, feel free. And then I, I, I'll, I'll dive in. Yeah. Um, so my background, I've always been I used to work at Trulia before they were bought by Zillow. So we've always been really heavy on internet lead generation. And that was one of the reasons me and Spring kind of hit it off because it was one of the only other people that was building an internet lead generation conversion type business. Um, And so as we, you know, as I got licensed, I got licensed like eight years ago and everyone's talking about listings, leverage leads and Gary Keller listings, leverage leads. And I'm in some of these rooms and people are despising what I do because we're an internet-based business. We don't dive into sphere and that kind of stuff. And so over the years, as we continue to like, I started knowing what I do well and what I don't do well. And we've never really built a sphere-based business, but we know how to prospect, get on the phone, value prop, close, convert, and really uh, put pressure on those things. So as I started getting going in that, my, my coach told me, Early in the process, when I first started coaching with him, he goes, all right, D, what happens if you get hit by a bus? I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm screwed. My wife doesn't work. I have two. I mean, she works probably harder than I do, let's be clear. But she doesn't have a nine to five. And, you know, if, if I stop selling houses, then the income for our family is going to you know, greatly decline. 
And that's when he was like, all right, D, we got to really start working on focusing on your business rather than in your business. And so that was when we really started putting pressure on really starting to think about growing a real estate team and not having me necessarily be the face so much, but really leaning on our tools, our lead flow, our systems, our processes, our trainings, and some of those additional things. So, so how long ago was that? How that was in, that was like late 2017. Okay. And so from there to here, how many agents do you have now, Daniel? We're up to 42 agents in two locations now. Okay. Awesome. Okay. And we'll dive into that too. Multiple locations. Did you all catch that? <laughs> And so as, as I'm working on the business and we're looking at, you know, increasing productivity and increasing profitability, Zillow had launched their iBuyer program. And I remember looking at my coach after they're buying and selling houses, like, Hey, Brett, they're not making money on these sales. Like, what is this about? And he's like, Hey, they're making money on everything else. They want this vertical integration and all of the ancillary income. And that's when it dawned on me, like, shoot, we work real estate agents. I don't think give themselves enough credit, to be honest with you on the drive that we are the engine to this entire industry. And when you start thinking of all the money that's made from a real estate agent's hard work and conversion on the front end, it's astonishing how many people wait for us to do our job before they can start making money on a real estate transaction. So as we started diving a little bit deeper and understanding how title income is made and what happens there exactly, and mortgage, obviously, to be able to run a buyer-based business with a loan nine times out of 10, um, and insurance. Well, everyone needs homeowners insurance. And so we started kind of uncovering, oh, shoot, rather than having an MSA or a joint venture, I want to really go in and build these companies so I can control client experience. I can control expectations. I can control accountability. I can make sure every loan that there is that can possibly get done gets done. And then a byproduct of all of that is just more revenue at the end. A lot of agents on a $400,000 transaction, they're focused on their 2.8% commission, which is 9,500 bucks or so. And I'm focusing somewhere around 34 to 35,000 on being able to monetize the real estate commission, the mortgage commission, the insurance commission, and then the insurance commission, and then the title income from that transaction. Straight, just from that one conversation with Brett, something clicked in you and you said, I'm going to go figure this out. Yeah. The first conversation was funny when he's like, Hey, Daniel, you need a joint venture with title. And I'm like, the title charges $320 for their closing fee. Like, why would I want to spend my time and effort there? And he's like, no, let's pull out a, that time it was a HUD. Let's pull out a HUD and look at what title makes. And you look at the homeowners or the owner's policy and then the lender policy on one transaction. It was like, Whoa, there's a lot of money in title. And so when you start scaling the number of transactions that you do and the amount of additional revenue that we can have from our agents working so hard, converting this business, following up with these leads, convincing people to work with us, it's almost a no brainer now. I've kind of become obsessed with it and figuring out how we can, how we can do this and then how we can teach more agents to be able to understand the math behind a transaction and be more than just a realtor. Okay. I love it. I I would actually say that's grit, which I love, fits into this show. But you used a word called obsessed. And <laughs> you really need to be obsessed to go figure something like that out. I mean, I know, I know hundreds and hundreds of team owners. And you're the only one I know that has said, I'm going to go figure out all these other industries. You know, some of them have a title company or some of them have a mortgage company, maybe both. But you said every single piece of this mortgage title, homeowner's insurance, what else? And we have an investment arm. So we'll present cash offers to our sellers 
um, prior to like the last thing that we want to do is list a house and put our sign in the front yard. Okay. So you would rather do a cash offer if you can get them to do a cash offer than put a sign in the yard. Absolutely. That's awesome. Okay. There was something else. Uh, what about property management? Are you guys doing that? We don't do any property management. I, I was actually, before I got, before I started working at Trulia, I worked for a property management company called Camden Property Trust. They're all over the country. Our property had like 420 units or something like that. And you just get beat down every day. Like no one ever calls the property manager and says, Hey, you guys are doing a great job managing my properties. Like, thank you. It's just a constant people pouring on you type business. So I think as we, as we acquire more houses, it's going to be something that's going to be, that's going to be a must at the end of the day, but that's not really where the energy is right now with that company. Okay. So Dan, you have figured out these four areas. So like, are you focused on helping others figure this out? Tell me about that. Or like, I know you're doing building expansion teams right now. You have a team in Florida as well. Is that right? Some Florida? We have uh, some connections in Florida. My brother recently moved back, actually. That was the first expansion that we did. And right now we're in Colorado Springs. We're starting to that. Okay. So you're on two locations, moving on to three. So you obviously have a huge leg up in doing expansion teams because you're bringing, like you said, $35,000 instead of $9,500 on average per transaction. So what's, what's your focus there as far as expanding across the country? And, and what are your thoughts? Like, where do you want to be in the next couple of years? Well, I think the big thing that I've learned in, you know, being in the circles and the tribes that I'm in is sharing information and getting help and assistance from others that are selfless is how I've been able to grow so much. And it's a lot of what I want to do in giving back to my communities, right? So I like to just leave with value try to show agents like we're in a world of commission compression. We're in a world of people want to pay realtors less money. So how can we continue to do the same work that we're doing and then just bolt on other businesses to be able to monetize more of the transaction? I don't think enough people talk about it, which is kind of where a lot of my passion is right now, helping agents understand there is more than just being a realtor and understanding this game of business. But I think the, the two key pieces is you've got you've to have a coach guiding you and understanding and helping you figure out your way. And then when you're able to get out of production and then start working on your business rather than in your business, you see the world a little bit differently than being in, talking to clients, selling houses constantly. You see it a little bit different. So now we can look at growing into multiple locations. Our our systems work, our leads work, our training work, all this stuff that we've built works phenomenally. And we can go plug that into different markets now. And whether we're leading with lead generation from the mortgage company, and now we have pre-approved buyers that we're teeing up with agents, or we lead with um, our real estate team that is lining up loans for our mortgage company, or we lead with an investment perspective, where we're looking at just taking down houses, wholesaling, wholetailing, acquiring, whatever that is, that will then turn into retail listings and then potentially even more buy sells. So we have different legs of the stool that we can lead into expanding into multiple markets. The one thing I did underestimate though, Brian, to be honest with you is, uh, is the people Like we're in a people business and my systems can be great, but we need the right drivers in these additional locations to be able to see the vision, to understand the vision that want to go build this cool thing together. You've got to have the drivers, you got to have the jockeys you can't just plug this into anybody and have anybody run into these kind of systems. Yeah, totally. So I want to come back to that. So you've spent time 
over the last from 2017 to now. So over the last five years, you figured out you have you now have a real estate company, you have a mortgage company, you have a title company, you have an investment company, you have a homeowner's insurance company. Yeah. You have all these companies, which is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. And then now you think about it, and most people in real estate are having to put systems in place just for their real estate company. Yeah. You're putting systems in place. You multiply that by five. Like, how difficult is that? Because, like, I mean, I can talk to most people, most real estate people, and they don't even know what Encompass is. I'm guessing <laughs> you're using Encompass, right? I mean, so, like, how did you? I just don't know. Like, how did you figure out all these systems for all these companies? Because I know you've built the systems or you wouldn't be able to scale like you have. Yeah, it's it's a work in progress always. Right. I like to say it's a messy empire because nothing when we first hop on the call, I'm like running around and kind of frantic. And that's just kind of how I feel my life is. I think it's just the most intriguing piece to all of this is all of this is intertwined. If we get a buyer lead, you can't close that deal without having a mortgage. And so that's an easy layup right there. And then the mortgage, you can't, like as a real estate agent going and trying to sell insurance doesn't stick very much. But then when our loan officers are like, hey, here, we need your homeowner's insurance. Do you need a referral? Excellent. Use this company. It, it lays itself right down. Title is just a byproduct of you need a title company to get this whole thing closed. So it's weird how everything is intertwined. I've probably done this the harder way of, I won't sit in a room and mastermind the process. I'm like, let's jump in and then figure out how we keep our head afloat. And then as soon as we stop screwing everything up, now we can start thinking about efficiencies and and scale and growth. I hate when people get ready to get ready, right? I want to just jump in, give me the chaos, give me the problems. And then again, we're back to the word obsessed. I'm obsessed with being able to figure out a better way to do this. The money isn't even the driving factor so much anymore. It's really building a business, creating efficiencies, um, making things work and run smooth. And when my phone's not blowing up or people don't have problems, like, you know, then, then we're doing it right. <laughs> yeah. So you just said something that, that I think is the biggest problem most people have. And that is like, you're willing to fail. You're like, let's dive in. Let's do this. Most people are afraid of failure. Yeah. If you fail, you know, you're going to learn and perfect and make the systems right. Yeah. There are so many people out there that are perfectionists, right? Um, And you're never going to roll out a new company if you're a perfectionist because nothing is ever going to be perfect. Correct. So like people that I've coached, I coached them a Springs team. And like, this is the biggest thing. It's like, you know what? Even if you're a brand new agent, go fail fast, right? Go on five listing appointments. Go go talk to 400 people and have them slam the phone on your face. That's how you're going to learn. But now we're moving from that to owning and running a business. Go start it, right? Absolutely. You got to, the name of our, of our mortgage company is called First Step Home Loans because that's the hardest thing for most first time home buyers is taking that first step to get pre-approved, right? Um, I think that's, I don't, I don't know where it came from, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't necessarily always been like this, but I truly feel that, you know, the things that you put in front of your face uh, one of the best books I've ever read is called Tools of Titans. You know, if you know that book, I have Tim Ferriss book. That, no. Oh my goodness, it's like not this yet. thick. It's like this thick, and it's just a matter of it's not something you read cover to cover. It's the people he interviewed people that are the most elite in their industries, and he asked them. Everybody is like a page to two page, two pages. What's the best hundred dollars that you spent? What does your morning routine look like? 
And a lot of the common threads are people meditate, people wake up earlier, and they continue to make progress and pivots in their businesses. So I think the two things that in my world is I really truly feel like failure is just part of the process. I internally, like in my being, I truly feel that I either fail or I learn. I either win or I learn. And I learn through failure. I learn through successes as well. But it's more the failures mean more to me because I'm like, ah, I thought this. It was a theory and I tested it and it's wrong. We've got to pivot. And then for a lot of agents, if you just monitor, agents don't, they don't look at their business enough. And I think this is one of the things that that CISU helped us do better was being able to look and have more transparency into our business and know your actual numbers. What you measure, you move. And so if you can continually see what's happening and see and look at conversion percentages and lead flows and successes and the failures, and it's easier for us to constantly make pivots. We don't really burn anything down to the ground anymore, but we make pivots literally every week, every other week, based on the information, the data that we're getting from what's happening inside of all of our businesses. Yeah. And we, we do that same, right? I run a different kind of business than you, but we're pivoting constantly and a lot of the pivot is just how we can provide better support, right? Yeah. There's so much you said right there, Daniel, but I think the biggest thing that stands out for me is when I, just your energy around failing, it's like failing is truly a positive thing for you. And if we could all get to where we look forward to failure, because we know we're going to advance and make progress from that, it would change this world. A thousand percent. I mean, there's, people in our organization that don't want to make the wrong decision. And I'm like, indecision is a decision. No, just make a decision, get feedback, and then figure out where we continue to go from there. It seems it's a lot easier said than done, right? It's not, it's not an easy or simple process. I should say it's not an easy process, but it's a simple process. Just do yeah. something and figure out what you do next. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's, if you do that and you pay enough attention you dive in and you actually like reflect on what's working, what's not working, where am I headed? Like how these things are happening, then it's just natural to make a pivot at that point. I don't think very many people make mistakes and then make the same mistakes because they don't care. I just don't think they're paying attention. Yeah. And they're just going through the motions and just doing the stuff. And then, oh, well, that didn't work or that did work. Like, no, just pay attention a little more, reflect. Think back on your day. What worked today? What didn't work today? Think back at your month, your quarter, and continue to like reflect and document those things and then continue to build on all of it. Yeah. If we, if we ended this show right now, it'd be perfect, but I'm not going to, but we probably <laughs> should because everyone, like if that's all you do is just take action and learn from it and pivot and then take action again and learn and pivot. And then again, just repeat, repeat, repeat those three items. You're going to be successful. Yeah. in whatever, I don't care if you're selling widgets or houses or cars or whatever it is. Yeah. All right. Um, you came from Trulia, which I didn't know before. So that's so interesting. So you're all about lead flow. Yeah. So talk to us. What are you doing for leads today? How how do you, uh, like, what should, if I'm listening and learning right now, what, what are some things I can do? Some action items I can take. Yeah. Really make a difference here. And congratulations. I know you just got flex. So congratulations on that. Yeah. That's exciting. They, they shut Denver down and we're one of the only teams in Denver that are going to get these warm transfers. So I've learned in this journey that agents don't want to prospect and grind and, and lead generate every day. They want to answer their phone, show houses and write contracts. And so we're, again, pivoting a lot of our business model to support that instead of having to crack the whip. It's like herding cats and 
you know, cracking the whip constantly to make your dials and do this. And a lot of that is exhausting for our leaders. So if we can just create more of a more of a company that has warm transfers and allow agents to do the things that they do best and, and operate in their strength zone versus trying to build a weakness of lead generation. Um, I mean, I've met probably 10 people in my lifetime that enjoy lead generation. Like agents just don't like it. And I, I can respect that. Um, but we generate about 11 to 1200 leads a month for our teams. And that's, it's, I'm kind of a lead whore, to be honest. I, I have this weird sense of the leads that we pay for today are going to be the leads that transact in 12, 15 months from now. So if we reduce our lead flow and our spend today, we're affecting our business in 12 or 15 months from now. So I think for a lot of agents that don't operate in the lead flow space, you've got to understand there's different levels to this. Your, your pay-per-click leads that we spend a lot of money on and generate a ton of, those people are not transacting for 10 to 12 months. You're catching them early in the funnel, early in the cycle of transacting. But when you're talking about your Zillow leads or your realtor.com leads, these people are oftentimes a lot further along in the process. So that is going to be more of what I sold at Trulia, a transaction ready lead. So you've got to be quick. You've got to have buckets of continued follow-up and have systems in place. We can generate so many leads now because we have buckets that we can put people in. We have automations that happen to those people. So when they're raising their hand from a lead that came in two or three years ago, we're on it like it's a brand new opportunity coming into our world. And a lot of agents, and I mean, I got hung up on constantly at Trulia from a lot of agents and I got a lot of agents canceling their renewals because they say the leads don't work. Well, you got to be quick. You got to value prop. How many agents does the average person know, right? You have probably three to five agents that you know are licensed inside of your network, every single person we deal with. So what is your value prop? How are you converting and closing that business? What does your online reputation represent for you? How many reviews do you have? How, many, how much feedback do you have? And I think we capture people's business online that is someone else's referral-based business because the internet's too big now. This isn't real estate of old. We're in a different era now where it's who can do the most for me now, who can help me win now. And it's not necessarily your coworker is giving you a referral and that's the agent I'm definitely going to use. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. Yeah, so you talked about would you say transaction ready? What'd you call that? Transaction ready. Yeah. Transaction ready. So somebody coming from a Zillow or a Trulia, they want to meet you on the doorstep. Right. But you're generating these pay-per-click leads. You're saying they're transacting maybe in 12 months. How do you keep them nurtured? How do you bring them to where they're going to transact? Do you have an ISA team or what are you doing to do that? Because it seems like agents are definitely, you just want to get the agent into a Zillow lead and let them go to the doorstep. But on those yeah. leads, what are you going to do on that side? So a lot of agents have this mindset of, you know, they have to, before you get in my car, you need a pre-approval in hand. And that's not the way that we operate. We got to get fit. It's not necessarily speed to lead. It's speed to appointment. How quickly can we get face to face and build a relationship with this person? We've gotten referrals from people who haven't bought from us yet or sold with us yet because they see what we're doing and they see how we do it. So I think that's a really important piece. Got to get face-to-face -face as soon as humanly possible. And then the second piece of it is the continued follow-up. Agents often say, you know, hey, I'm just calling to follow up. And like, that's the most tackiest thing I've ever heard. Like you've got to call with a purpose. Interest rate, like, there's probably no better time than right now to call with content 
on, hey, I want to make sure, I know you're not buying for nine months from now, but I want to make sure you're seeing what's happening in the industry. So I wanted to drop this article for you so you can continue to see that. Hey, I found this home that we're just getting ready to list. It's a little bit outside of your buy box, but I just wanted to just show it to you just to make sure, see if you guys knew anyone that's looking for a house in this tight inventory market. If you call, if you constantly come from a place of contribution, the universe will reward you. If you're the agent that's just waiting for your buyer to raise their hand because they found a home that came across the MLS, you're just like everybody else out there. You got to be different. You got to differentiate yourself. And because they say no today, they're not saying no to you personally. They're saying not right now. So how can we continue to provide value and stay in relationship with that person over time? So when they are ready to say yes, there's no question on who they're, where they're going or who they're going to. That is just sitting here on the other side, listening to you talk about that, Daniel. It's if I hear somebody say, I'm calling to follow up with you, it's like, there's, there better be a bigger purpose than that. <laughs> you're wasting my time, right? Absolutely. But if, you're, if you're calling with value, hey, do you understand what's going on in the market? Let me tell you about these interest rates. Let me tell you, yeah. let me advise you what's happening in your neighborhood. You know, all those types of things. I want to listen, right? So always contribute. I love that. Well, because we come with commission breath, like, hey, I need a closing. Are you ready to buy yet? Like, no, just continue to provide as much value as you can to people. And it may not be that person that you help, but when you help educate somebody that regurgitates what you say and they go, my agent didn't say that, we've got to meet this guy. Like, it just, it just continues a spiral at that point. And I think it's just, I've been on the other side of the fence with selling leads and really understanding what lead conversion looks like and what you need to do as a human being to convert these leads. And it's just, it's kind of a way of life inside of our world now, you know? Yeah. So um, I had a kind of a funny experience just along these same lines. So I'm going to share it. Uh, just yesterday, I was just at my desk working and I got this notification popped up and it happened to be from somebody that I didn't even know who they were. And I scan it real quick and then it tells me, oh, and what are your plans this year for buying or selling a house? And funny thing is, is it happened to be one of Springs agents. I dug yeah. it. I was about to just delete it and block this person. And, <laughs> and then I realized, oh, this is one of... You know, there's one of Springs agents. And so I just said, hey, look, you know, if if you're going to reach out to me like this, you need to bring value. Yeah. Like, otherwise, I'm just going to block you. Absolutely. And I'm just telling you this because you're sending this. Obviously, if you send this to me, you're sending this to a lot of people. Stop. <laughs> like, don't do that. <laughs> So build relationships, bring value. So anyway, it was interesting, but and yeah. we're, in the, we're in the easiest, it, this market is hard, but this is the easiest real estate market we've ever seen. And unless you start doing things different, when this thing starts to turn, it's going to get really tough and really bad for a lot of people. Yep. I think uh, there's no doubt there are going to be fewer real estate agents in this industry in the next three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the people like you, the people that know their systems, the people that are bringing value, that this is the biggest opportunity for you to grow and take market share. So definitely. So, and I think just influence agents to be, I don't know, our culture is really great here in the sense that we don't just teach agents how to sell houses. Like that's the first step to everything else that you can build leverage and, and teaching and coaching people underneath you and becoming a leader and wealth building and buying houses and buying multiple houses and paying less taxes. And like, there's so many other spokes on the wheel that have, it starts with selling a house, but there's such a bigger game being played that we try to help our agents understand that selling a house is just, just you're scratching the surface. Yeah. There's more to this. There's more to this game. 
So I think everyone has a different culture and especially these larger teams. It used to be, I, I remember just five years ago, it seemed like people would stay on a team for two years and then they'd leave. Yeah. And now it's getting to where if you're not on a team, you're in trouble. right? <laughs> so, so you guys and a lot of others, but everyone's unique in this aspect. You've figured out how to build your culture. Like, why is it? I mean, you just mentioned some of these things, but how, how do you shape that? How do you lead these people so that they want to stay in your culture forever? Yeah. One of our pillars of value, pillars of culture in our organization is servant leadership. Like this isn't the Daniel show. This isn't, these aren't all of my employees. Like I truly look at these people as my partners and these are people that we're going to go build a massive business with. And when you come from a servant leadership type of perspective where it's all about everybody else, um, my first sales job, uh, you probably didn't know this about me either, but my first sales job in California, I used to sell timeshares. Okay. So, hey, that, that was my first sales job as well. Was it really? Right when I graduated from high school. I did that for a summer. Oh, awesome. Um, so you get it, right? NLP, yeah. um, Zig Ziglar, like all of that, Tony Robbins, all of that stuff. And I remember Zig Ziglar, one of the lines that still sticks to me to this day is, if I can help everybody achieve what they want to achieve, then I'm naturally going to achieve what I want to achieve. So if I lead with my goals first, then everyone is just doing what I tell them to do. But if we really dive into helping our agents, we believe in building the person and then we're going to build the professional. But we can build you professionally all day long. And if you're broken as a person or you're broke and you're selling a ton of houses, like we're not winning and we're not building something that's sticky. So we spend a lot of time on you know, the human being, how can you become a better person? How can you have that true fulfillment in life? Money is just one piece of the game, right? And we always think that money is the game until yep. you have it. And then you realize, oh shit, I'm not as happy as I thought I would be. What's next? And so right. we want to help our group do that. And, and again, it's just, I think with a lot of, a lot of team leaders, it's about the agent or the rainmaker that's in production, or everything is about that person, that person winning. Again, another story from my coach, He's like, if you go on stage by yourself and accept everything, people are going to be realizing the hard work that they're doing is not about them. It's all about you. So a lot of what I've built has been bringing my people up with me. I want to grow our organization and these kind of speaking opportunities, not because it feeds my ego and I feel better about myself, but because the next step is bringing my other people on and having them speak to a bunch of people and then just continuing that process and that growth process for everybody because I didn't know I was going to enjoy being, you know, being a coach in a sense, right? I didn't realize that that was real my what my passion is, but nothing gets me more excited than watching my people win, watching my people fail, watching them learn, watching them get better. Like I feel like a old man sometimes just seeing <laughs> watching my kids grow and take their first steps and go through their first, you know, uh client that fired them because of A, B, or C or just helping coach in those moments. And our group always knows that we're always going to have your back. And at the end of the day, I'll jump on the grenade if I need to, to protect my group. And when you have that kind of, that kind of love and that kind of loyalty, your people stay with you longer because money is one, one, one spoke on the wheel. There's a lot of other stuff that people are after. Yeah. Very well said. I mean, you're building wealth, you're helping them build happiness and there'd be nothing worse than getting to that point where, you know, you have that mindset of, when I get to this, I'm going to be happy. And then you get there and you're probably less happy than you've ever been in your life because yeah. it didn't bring you that happiness, right? Absolutely. Or so. you make the money and, you know, early in my career, I was selling a ton of houses, but I wasn't being a great dad. I wasn't being a great husband. I wasn't being a great friend. 
And so it's just you, you get to the top of the mountain, you realize like this isn't, there's a whole nother mountain that I'm going to go climb. And this is only one, I mean, money doesn't create happiness, but it gives you a ton of vehicles to be happy. Um, But when you, when you have this, when you have, I mean, it's it's the same way at Spring builds her organization. I'm sure that you build Sisu. It's, it's all about everybody else. If we can continue to make everybody happy and help them achieve what they want to achieve, like we're going to get it at the end of the day. Yeah. Well said. Uh, is there anything you want to dive into on systems? I just know uh, in order to build five different companies like you have, there has to be systems in place. Like, it's, it's a mess. Like there's a system, there's a system for everything. Um, but I think that you've got to go through it and you've got to pay attention and document what you're doing to be able to pivot these things. We have a system for everything, for onboarding, for offboarding, for a new under contract, for cancel under contract, for a complaint from a client, for a bad review, like everything in our company is systematized. Now that's only been through the failures or something happened going, uh Oh, we don't have a system for that. So cool. How I like to use the analogy. I'm on a boat and then the, there's a hole in the boat and we immediately got to patch the hole and then realize how do we make sure that that hole doesn't happen again. And it's just over time. And over these years, we've continued to have that same mindset and not just fix the problem in the moment, but fix the problem in the moment and then make sure that that problem does not continue to pop its head up. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of people losing somebody on their team to say, oh, wait, I spent a year training this person yeah. so that they would know everything. We didn't put any systems in place and they're gone. So I'm starting over. Absolutely. Uh, please don't make that mistake twice. Right. No, <laughs> which, no which is, we've, we've done that. Right? Which, which is actually a big part of why CSU got founded as spring asked me to help her jump in and grow her real estate business that's what we were experiencing at that time. It was like, no, we need systems. And so that's yeah. kind of how CC was founded. So um, anyway, I wanted to ask you, so when we were in Mexico, we were talking about, um, we were walking down just, you know, the walkway and you were telling me about how you have this passion to really provide for the black communities. You want to help get more people into the real estate space. I'd love to hear more about your vision there yeah. and what you'd like to see happen, Daniel. Yeah. So as I've come up and grown in this industry and gone to masterminds and KW presentations and other company presentations, there's not a lot of people that look like me that are on the stage teaching and leading. And it was, I didn't really realize it until I started becoming successful and then looking around like, huh, there's not a lot of people that look like me. And so my goal as I continue to grow in this industry is to inspire people of color that there is a way, there is another way to do this business. Like our path there's been people when when I was selling here in a three-piece suit that won't look me in my eyes, won't shake my hand. Um, and it's something that a lot of people in my community have go through. And I don't look at that as a, that's just, that's a hurdle. It's not a, it's not a roadblock, right? It's just a thing. So um, I want to help them and inspire them and, and help lead coach and mentor them to help grow these businesses that we're all in. So as we've made money and and become successful, we've given time and we've donated money and we've done these charity things and nothing was really fulfilling. So late 20, I think it was late 2019, we launched the JLK Foundation, which is the JLK is from my grandmother, my mother, and um, my sales director and my uh, chief of staff's mother. Um, They were all single mother of minority kids. And our shit was hard. We used to eat at the food bank. One of my most uh, 
memorable memories is going to this place called Food for Less in, in California. And we were getting food stamps. And I remember my mom giving me a $10 food stamp. And I had, the, I was probably 12 years old. And I had the, I had the autonomy to go buy anything that I wanted to do in the store that's under $10. And so you don't know what you don't have until probably get a little bit older. So I realized, like, oh, shit, like we had it. It, it was rough. Um, yeah. So what we wanted to do, my, if my mom could have just spent a little bit more time going to my events, leaning in and not having to really worry about robbing Peter to pay Paul every month, she could have spent more time in, in it with me being mom and not necessarily focus on solely being provider. So, um, so we launched this foundation, the JLK Foundation, where we take a, a portion of every closing, $100 for every closing, and we donate it to single parents and minority kids to pay their housing and utility expenses every month. So they can either catch up, they can, um, they can catch up with their bills, they can spend more time, not have to work that overtime shift, maybe not have to take on that second job, um, just give you a little bit of a, of a lifeline to be able to help you grow, help you dive in a little bit more with your kids. So that's a big thing that brings significance in our heart. And the other thing is we launched a, a charity for uh, Black agents in real estate, where as we're going through this process of trying to create more equity in this industry, we've got to influence our communities and we've got to get more agents of color in the industry where we can teach from the ground up and not necessarily from the top down. So if we can get more people of color that are speaking about real estate, that are speaking about having good credit, that are speaking about not getting into a credit card debt and some of these additional things that we know about as real estate agents, we can influence our communities maybe a little bit more. And then over time, we can continue to create almost like a grassroots effort of really, truly building our communities. So these are things that are close to my heart. I don't, I don't want to just win. I want to win and I want to bring other people up with me. Oh, I love it. I need to ask you, and then I want to let people know how to get a hold of you because I'm hoping that a lot of you listening are going to want to help contribute, maybe donate X amount per transaction to this as well, because what a great cause. Um, but when did you know, Daniel, like growing up in that environment and food stamps and, you know, $10 and when did you decide, when did you know, hey, I'm going to be successful? I'm going to change this. Like what happened in your life that drove you to being so successful? It's actually a funny story. So um, I've always, I was always a really good athlete. I thought I was going to go to the NFL, that whole thing. Right. And that dream being five, eight and 195 pounds. Uh, that's the old weight version of me. Right. But uh, you know, that's not the prototype uh, NFL athlete. So after I got out of college and stopped playing football, I was kind of lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. My best friend was in pharmaceutical sales selling products. And so the barrier of entry to that profession is you got to have a college degree. So that's the reason I went back to college. My last semester in college, I was taking 21 credit hours, seven classes, working full time. Um, and then my son was, I think like a year old at that time or something. So we were grinding. And I was like, as soon as I get that piece of paper, like that's my ticket, then I can get in and get this job and like everything's going to change. And of course that didn't happen. So then I was working. This is probably the lowest part why, of my why life. Why did it not happen though? I just couldn't get a job. Couldn't get know. a job. So you got the why. paper and you yeah. were interviewing and you were interviewing and you were hearing no and you were hearing no. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I just want everyone to know that because like a lot of people, when they hear no, they give up, but you didn't. I didn't. Um, now, I think having a child and having mouths to feed at that time <laughs> was kind of a responsibility, right? So then, so didn't, that wasn't panning out. I needed to be able to do something that to create some income. So I started working outside sales at Staples 
and driving 45 minutes away from my house. I thought I was a great salesperson, a great human being. And I'm begging these gatekeepers to be able to get to the operations person to sell staplers and post-it notes. And it was, I hated my life. I've never really been one to have depression, but I hated my life. I hated everything about it. And I remember looking and looking at myself in the mirror going, okay, I will never be in this position again. Once I get an opportunity just to grind and grow, I will never be in this position again where I have to A, hate my life or B, struggle. Like I'm going to work my absolute hardest to not have money be a thing that me or my family have to think about. Again, like it was when I was younger, we can, you can't really get creative or think about how to grow your life if you're thinking about how to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it was, it, it was a rough time in my life, but looking back, that was the moment I was like, nope, not like never again. Well, congratulations on getting through that and accomplishing everything you've done. It's amazing. Um, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. How do people get a hold of you? Like if they want to learn more about these ancillaries or possibly partnering with you on remote location? Yeah. You can find me on Instagram. It's at Dixon sold it D I X O N S O L D I T. Or you can email me Daniel at DG Um, Either one of those ways are easy way to get, get in touch with me and um, you know, talk about expansion, talk about growth. Sometimes I'll take calls when I'm don't have a busy week where I'll just give advice and just hop on a webinar or something like that. And just, just, I just, I truly feel that in my role today is I'm a coach and I'm a mentor and the more people I can touch and the more people I can reach, it doesn't always allow time, right. For me to do that. But when I can get a lot of people on a call, answer questions, um, leave with value, do that kind of thing, then I feel like we're making our industry better and making people better. And, you know, I can help people focus on something different than, you know, just the grind of what we do every day. Awesome. Daniel, thank you so much for uh, making a difference in so many people's lives and congratulations on doing that because I know I can tell that's what makes you happy is making a difference in other people's lives. And I I love that. Um, Thank you for being on the show today and listeners. Thank you for joining us today and we'll catch you all next week. Have a good one. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me and allowing me the opportunity to share my story. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.